Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Stuniverse. It is. With me, Mark O'Sullivan. And me, Stuart Clark. Yeah, to think about that. What's different today is that um, we've... Uh, so we usually would film this of an evening, wouldn't we? We would. We'd, there'd be mood lighting, all yeah, of that. Yeah, get that late night vibe. Yeah. Um, and today, because needs must, it's daytime. Well, it's kind of <laughs> late afternoon. And what this means is, in our office, where we are now, um, there are still people around. So you might hear other people... Somebody might walk past and we might beckon them in. Maybe we should trick them and not let them know we're recording. What a thing that would be. In fact, Dan the Scribbler, who does our artwork, he's somewhere. I can hear him. Yes, he's just leaving. Dan, say hello. Hello, Stuniverse. <laughs> this Stuniverse That's... isn't an actual universe. Yeah, it doesn't answer It's a that. race of people. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> at some point come closer Dan you do all our artwork don't you all of it yes. what's, what's your web address www.thescribbler.co.uk lovely to see you Dan <laughs> have a good evening you take care love to the girls <laughs> before we go any further notice anything different about me uh, yes, how could we not? Yes, um, the beard. <laughs> You're the first person to actually uh, refer to it as a D- beard. Dignify it with, yeah. with the actual noun beard. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never, ever not shaved in my life. Um, okay. So as an experiment, I thought I'd try it. And um, what happened? To, here's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it is. What happens to beards in space? Uh, they continue to grow as normal. Faster, slower, same? Well, no, about the same, really. I, I don't think. I don't think someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think being in space per se um, changes your metabolism. Okay. Well, if you shaved mm. in space, which I imagine people must do, mm. Mm. how do they? I mean, you probably don't. You might not know the answer to this, but what do they do 
Do they have like a from the toilet things to hoover it up as you're shaving? There's, yeah, there's got to be a hoover system of some description too. Yeah, right? Sometimes it's going to get yes, get it in your eyes. Mm. I mean, maybe that's the function of um, uh, shaving cream because that sort of holds it all, binds it together, doesn't it? So, so oh yeah, mm. would it bind it together then? Oh, does. you just have big blobs of shaving foam. Yeah, as opposed to tiny little hairs getting in your eyes. Mm. Up your nose. That, I mean. Yeah, the little little floaty stubble hairs in yeah. the spacecraft. I, I'm going to say might be quite dangerous because they could get into circuits and you know cause short circuits and, yeah. and things like that. But potentially, and or, and they wouldn't be very nice floating around either, would they? Yeah. They could club together and become sentient. <laughs> start start planning things. What you'll be in stubble. Stubble, stubble rebels. We've so moved on from those kinds of films, you know. Yeah, what beard stubble? Yeah, yeah, it's been a sentient beings. Sentient beards. Mine isn't sentient. It's barely present. <laughs> How long have you been growing that for? Now? Yeah, over two weeks. You'd never guess it. No, you? no, no. This is a day for most people. It is, yeah, this is like you know, it's sort of like um, you can't um, you can't rush perfection. No, no, no. Okay. But eventually, you do hope you'll get there. Well, we'll see what happens on the next um, on the next universe. We'll do, yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll do a beard, beard update. Yes, beard watch. Yes, get Chris Packham in. What has been happening in the world of the universe, universe? Well, the world of the universe, universe. There have been a number of things. The ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter that we've spoken about before. Mm-hmm. It launched Monday of last week, yeah. and then it spent all day um, in orbit around the Earth, right. um, gradually um, having its orbit changed until late on Monday evening it was ready to do the final boost. So it launched, I should say, at um, half past nine in the morning, right. and then it spent nearly 12 hours um, organising its uh, its orbit and just changing its orbit to get it in position for the final boost to Mars, which took place um, about 12 hours later, um, in the about half past nine in the evening and so it is now on its way so was that 12 hours organizing itself was that planned or yes 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 so they didn't have enough um or the 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 mission profile was that it would get into parking orbit and then throughout the day every time it came uh, around the earth again it would fire its rocket thruster a bit more giving it um, a more elliptical shape to its orbit so it was getting further and further away from earth and then it would at the at the correct time, you know. It would just then fire the rest of the of the rocket motor and slip out of Earth orbit and on course for Mars. Oh, so it's just sort of slowly flinging itself further for, away. Exactly, exactly. Oh. So, so, because so, you always imagine these things just kind of shoot straight up and. Yes, if go. you had if you had enough fuel, that's what you'd do. How long until it gets to Mars? It'll get there in October. So, so seven-ish months, something like that. So, and once it gets there, uh, it will uh, it will drop a lander to the surface, and this lander is not going to last very long. It's not designed to uh, to do that, um, but it will test um, entry, descent, and landing techniques for Mars because mm-hmm. Europe um, uh, Europe tried once before um, to land the Beagle two spacecraft um and that it was lost um it the last thing we ever saw of it was on uh in uh, 2000 and 
three, something like that, where it was released from the spacecraft um, and then uh, never heard from it again. But just last year, everyone had assumed it had just hit the surface, crashed, gone, yeah. you know, made a new crater. Just last year, um, they found it. What was it doing? It was sitting on, what it is, it's sitting on the surface of Mars, almost fully deployed. So it's it's one of those great British tales of so nearly successful. Wasn't this what's his face? This was Colin Pellinger. It was yeah, his the late was, Colin. The late Colin. It was his mission. Um, and the the where it failed is that the final solar panel didn't deploy. Um, so it was a clamshell design which opened up and then put a series of um, four, I think it was, circular solar panels out onto the surface like petals. Yeah. The radio antenna was in the base of the clamshell. So every single solar panel had to deploy for the spacecraft to be able to communicate. Right. And the last solar panel appears to have stuck. Idiot. The point is... It probably would have functioned because it was getting some power. So it might have done science and it might have taken readings and it's all just sitting there in its memory on the surface of Mars. But so could we get it? Could we retrieve it? You know, presumably Matt Damon could like wander yeah. over with a you know, with a USB drive. Um it's and kind of cave that he'd get up to. Yeah. Isn't it? Once he's finished growing potatoes in his own poo. Why would you say that? I mean, you've seen the film The Martian. No. Oh. I'm going to ask about something completely unrelated to space, but oh. the universe, as we've spoken about before, is <clears throat> about anything <clears throat> in the universe, yes, okay. including space, of which there is quite a lot of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the news today and yesterday is a brilliant story. You is must this, have seen it. Is this about the budget? No, no, not that brilliant story. It's about the naming of the new research vessel. Ah, now I knew that there was a new Antarctic research vessel. Um, I don't actually know what it's called. I know it's going to spend a year in the in, uh, in breaking ice in the Arctic. So what's so it called? You haven't read this story. I have not read this story, so, so fill me in. The National Environment or Environmental Research Council, no, who no. are behind this yeah. ship. Well, yeah, one of those great acronyms, NERC. NERC. They put out a challenge to name the ship. Oh, and they? now I didn't know this bit until just about an hour ago. But they put up some sort of suggestions, and one of them they obviously put up was just a funny suggestion. Oh no! But it has by far the most votes, and we're not talking by a few. We're talking by <laughs> tens of thousands. The current leader on the suggestions mm-hmm. is. Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Isn't that just incredible? I can't wait. Absolutely incredible. Can I ask you one more thing that's on my mind at the moment? Please do. Is it about space? It is. Two weekends ago, Mm -hmm. my wife and my children and I and some friends um, went to the Cambridge Science Festival. Very nice. That was brilliant. Mm. Really, really good. Lots going on all across the city. One of the things that my kids loved was a uh, model of of the moon. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the model, 
there was a half of the model of the moon that appeared to be dark, and that side appeared to be much more cratery and knobbly than the side that was light. And I thought, you see, from a previous conversation, this just goes to show that I'm not nearly taking in as much as I as I think here, which I blame you for. <laughs> um, so I thought that one half of the moon was always in darkness, and it was the same half; it didn't move. That's not true, is it? No, no. This is the great dark side of the moon misconception that I blame Pink Floyd for. You and me both now. <clears throat> They've got a lot to answer for, haven't they? And uh, yeah, so there is. The dark side of the moon is constantly changing, which is why we have full moons and waning moons and waxing moons, waxing moons uh, and new moons, is because especially when we have a new moon and we just see the thin crescent, um, most of the side of the moon we're seeing is the dark side. Of course. So that's, uh, but the moon only shows one face to us. So there is a near side and the far side, and I think it just gets a bit confused in uh, that the far side is the dark side, um, but it's not. It sees the sun um, just as much as the near side does. So let me ask you this then. Why is one half of the moon, assuming this model was you know, correct, accurate, why is, why is one half there is noticeably a... noblier yeah. than the other half? So there is... Um, there, there is a very, very large impact basin on the far side called Mare Orientalis, and it's 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 just the most dominant feature on that side of the moon. Um, whereas over here on the near side, you've got more of the lunar maria, the, the the dark basalt plains, and then down near the moon's south pole, you've got the southern highlands, which are uh, this highly cratered, mountainous, bright, um, reflective. Um, terrain. Mm. So it just reflects the fact that um, random processes have shaped the moon's surface. Um, it's the same, really, that um, there's not as much land, for example, in the southern hemisphere of the Earth as there is in the northern hemisphere mm. um, of the Earth. It just reflects um, that, that, that these uh, that, that these process geological processes that make these worlds are, are not uniform. That's not helped very much, has it? No, it has. It's made me... Um... Well, it's, it's made you lapse into silence. What's going on with the Lahusa? The La- <laughs> Well, actually, no, that's, it should be the Lahuka. Uh, you really don't want to call it that. <laughs> what, Lahuka? <laughs> What's going on with the Large Hadron Collider? The large What's had- happening out CERN way? Yeah, down down, down in Village CERN, um, they are getting ready to start taking data again. To um, they've they've had a, they've had some downtime over the winter, and uh, done the routine maintenance and the upgrading, and now it's time to switch on the Large Hadron Collider again. Right. And this is, I mean, honestly, this is tremendously exciting because towards the end of last year, they published results that show hints that they have discovered a new particle of nature. Now, the reason this is so important is because if they have, and we should know this year, we, we may know by the summer. Get uh, lost. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. 
Um, the reason Things don't happen that quickly. They do. They? Yes. 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 Sorry, I've interrupted yes. you. Well, right. Mid flow. Um, this particle, if it's there, has not been predicted by any theory we have. What? So it's not even Higgs boson. It could be oh. a, a, a Higgs boson-like particle, but if it is, it's not predicted by the Higgs method, by the Higgs theorem. So it would mean, I mean, pretty much all roads say that this is something beyond any of our current theories. And that means um, that there's new physics to be found. So this is the breakthrough. This is like finding um, a new species of animal and then having to explain why it's there. So all of physics at the moment is is wrapped up in something called the standard model. Yeah. yeah. And this gives us a pretty good description of all the particles we know of in nature. And then the Higgs mechanism is sort of an add-on extra. It's like an optional feature um, that explains a bit about why these particles have mass. The trouble is, our standard theories of particle physics don't explain um, everything about the universe. We have little tantalising hints that there, there must be other problems to solve. Um, so we know that there's new physics to be found. We just don't know from what direction it's coming from. If there's a new particle of nature, however, right there in the LHC data, then we have a massive, massive clue because everything we everything can be adapted to incorporate this new particle to see what it does, how it interacts, how it decays into other particles. So this, in, in fact, I was speaking to uh, a particle physicist from LHC last week, and she said to me, she said, to be honest, if this really is there, it's it's bigger than the Higgs. And I bigger agree. than Higgs. It's bigger than the Higgs because it's a complete disruption. It's a totally new direction. It's 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 everything you want. Wait, and we just didn't see this coming. And you just didn't see it coming. No. <clears throat> so it's it's like knowing that there must be a solution out there, but you don't know where it is. So you just go looking everywhere and try and recognise something that you don't even know really what you're looking for. And and this is something that we didn't know we were looking for, and yet there it is in the data. So it's very exciting. A bit like my beard. That's yeah. It's almost as small as your beard as well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
Big Fat Galactic Liar Quiz. Yes. I'm going to rename it just for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right? Yeah. And it's a name that someone else suggested to me. You ready? This episode and this episode only, the Big Fat Galactic Liar Quiz is going to be known as Stuniversity Challenge. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, isn't it? I really like it. I love that. Let's do this university <laughs> challenge. Okay. So, proposition number one. When a planet forms, its density is determined by its distance from a star. Proposition number two. Spacecraft can be blown off course when they turn cold parts of the spacecraft towards the sun. Number three. Yeah. Some black holes can be the size of our entire solar system. Okay. Now, you won the last one, didn't you? I did. Was it 4-2? Uh, yes. 4-2 to me? Yes. Now, I don't know whether this helps me or not, but there's something about the spacecraft being blown off course when it turns its cold parts towards the star, the sun. What happens to warm breath on a cold window pane? It makes it watery. Now, now, so what would happen if you heated that window pane up? You could write your name in it or do a smiley face. Oh, good. Okay. That's, that's as much help as um, as you're getting. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, I've squandered. Yes. Um, I'm going to say that one's true. <laughs> I'm going to say the planet's density. Right, so between the density and the black hole. I've got no clue at all, so this is going to be pure guesswork now. I mean, it's all guesswork so far. (laughs) So I'm going to say that the black hole one, number three, is the lie. Okay. And number one about the planet's density being determined by its distance from the star. I'm going to say that's true. I'm going to say the spaceship. Spacecraft being blown, of course, it's true, and the black hole is a lie. This okay. is total guesswork. Okay. Have I been universally challenged? <laughs> um, so, this was a particularly tricksy one um, this week, because if you were to go back twenty years, all of them would have been true. What the? Yes. You have been universally challenged. Hang on, does that mean I did it or I didn't do it? It means you didn't do it. Ah, go on. Um, yes, some black holes are the size of our entire solar system. Right. So these are the supermassive black holes that sit in the centres of galaxies. Okay, yeah. spacecraft. Yeah. They can be blown, of course, um, when they turn cold parts uh, towards the star because what happens is... Uh, molecules of gas in space freeze onto those cold surfaces and build up. And then when they're exposed to sunlight because of a manoeuvre, they they evaporate and they sublime, actually. They turn straight from the ice into a gas and just kick off the spacecraft, which because you're in the frictionless environment of space, the spacecraft is pushed in the opposite direction. Wow. So, which brings us to the lie, which is that when a planet forms, um, its density is determined by its distance from the star. Now, you said it's a lie now. 
Yes. But wouldn't have been 20 years ago. Exactly. So when we look at the planets in our solar system, this seems to be exactly the case. So we have the four dense, rocky planets close to the sun. Mm. And then further away, we have the large gas giant planets. The gassy giants. The gassy giants, yes. And then if you go even further away, then you get smaller, icy, dense planets um, or worlds. But with the discovery of planets around other stars, we don't see this same orderly arrangement at all. We don't see small, rocky, dense worlds followed by large, gas giant worlds everything's just a complete mess out there. All worlds higgledy-piggledy, you know, intertwined. And uh, so so something else is going on, and we just don't know what that, what that something else is at the moment. A mystery. It is a mystery. Well, well done. I'm, um, I'm pleased. Are we 4-3 now? We are 4-3. Yeah, I'm still winning. You are still winning, yes. I'll, I'll give you that. Would you like to uh, answer a, uh, a listener question? Yes, please. Okay. How wonderful that we've got one. Yeah, well, he, he's actually asked too. This is from Martin. Um, he's asked, first of all, do we take our leap year day in advance or arrears? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know this for certain, but I'll look it up for the next podcast. Yeah. I suspect we pop it pretty fairly and squarely in the middle. Because that way, you minimise the disruption away from real time. You know, if you were to wait and Imagine take... Imagine if you had to explain it to someone like me. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Okay, I've got it. Okay. Yeah. Here's a yellow crayon. <laughs> yeah, if you were to wait and then take it in arrears, it would mean that on the last year before your leap year, um, you know, you were 24 hours adrift. Uh, if you were to have it in advance... It would mean that at the moment you you put the leap year in, you threw yourself 24 hours out in advance for the coming year. And then it it gradually catches up again. So what I reckon is is that the leap year goes in when you're about 12 hours adrift. So that way, that's the smallest um, deviation um, that you can actually have. That will be my that would be my guess, but I can look that up. Would you? I'll, I'll look that so up for next week. Question number two from Martin. Question number two: Is lying down really the best way for us to sleep? Yes. Is that a guess? Yes. Okay. That's good. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that went well. I thought. If Martin can fill me in a bit more on what he's getting at with that second question. Yeah, Martin, what are you getting at? <laughs> yeah. Unless, hang on. That's it. Let's alienate our listeners. Yeah. This could be a tease. Maybe he's discovered a new way. Yeah. And he's just planting the seed in our mind that we've been doing it wrong. Maybe. That's sneaky and brilliant. All at the same time. Yeah. Well, shall we finish with a bit of show and tell? Yeah, come on, let's it do it. It always works well um, on the radio. I'll find something to show, first oh. of all. Hang on. Oh, really? It's, um, hang on. This wasn't how I thought it was going to go. It's, uh, it's this. I've got very dry, cracked lips at the moment, so I'm using some. Okay. Lip balm. 
Great. Very nice. Lovely. Some lip balm. Okay. Lovely tin. Good. Come on. Uh, yours, I doubt, will be as good as my lip balm. Of course not. Okay, it's this. Let's have a look. It's a letter that I received. All right. Um, Can I, shall I describe this? I think it's, I think it's best that you describe it. Um, I haven't had a letter like this in a little while, but uh, this one is probably the best of these kinds of letters ever. Okay, so the first thing that strikes me looking at this small envelope, so we're talking, it's about the size of a small pocketbook. And the next thing that strikes me about it is that considering I'm looking at the envelope, there's a lot of writing on the envelope. There's not just the address on there, is there? No, no. So there's the address. I, I notice it's been sent to an address for you, which isn't your address. That's, that, that's always a good one. Yes. Yeah, that's a good... Yes. And then... Um, i tell you what I like about it. Is it the line at the bottom It's here? the PS on the front of the envelope that you see before you read anything else. Yeah, so this is all in capital letters, everything. No, I'm not going to shout because that would just, uh, just blow the thing. P.S. Please discuss this letter with UK government officials, full stop. <laughs> so is this from somebody you know? No. Someone you've ever met? No. You've met by accident? No. You've no. had any communication with in the past? No. So again, Isn't this it a is beauty? every possible bit of space has been used and filled with only capital letters. This is this is incredible. Occasionally, um, I have got people's theories of everything uh, through the post. Yeah. Um, now this one is a foolproof method for communicating with extraterrestrial civilizations. And when you say foolproof? Yeah. I'll be honest with you. The germ of the idea is quite logical and sensible. So um, we've talked about um, looking for extraterrestrials before and these mm. big radio searches. Mm. And the big problem is... is in all of space, where do you point your telescope to look? And at the moment, there's the, the SETI scientists, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence uh, scientists, they target stars that look like uh, the sun um, or stars that are known to have planets around them. Um, uh, now, this letter says that what we should do is we should wait for uh, a star to explode or some other form of cataclysmic galactic event mm. and what we should then do is when we see that uh when we see that signal arrive at earth we should turn our radio telescopes 180 degrees in the opposite direction and start broadcasting because that way our radio messages from earth um, will actually um, follow the line of the light from this exploding star and the idea is that extraterrestrial astronomers would see the exploding star, yeah. want to study it, so turn all their equipment in that direction and then inadvertently pick up our radio message as so, well. So this is quite a good idea then. I mean, when on the face of it, you know, that's quite that's actually quite interesting. It's 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 more science fiction than it is science fact because there's all sorts of reasons why it would be um, pointless or difficult to do that. Um, yeah. But I mean, actually, it's kind of cute as an idea. It's kind of neat. But okay, so the thing now, obviously, you're a you're a well known 
sciencey person, spacey person. That's what it says on my CV. You write for all these brilliant publications. You're an author, a novelist, a broadcaster, beautiful hair. (laughs) Why is he sending it to you? I think it might be um, because I'd done a piece in The Guardian about the search um, for extraterrestrial intelligence had looked at this star we've talked about that had the strange light signals. Megastructure. The megastructure, that's right, the alien megastructure. Yeah, right. And they, okay. they had seen nothing there. And I and I think it was it was it was the articles that I wrote about that that um, that triggered this. This has been the Stuniverse. Thank you so much for having a listen. Please keep sharing it. Please keep uh, liking it and um, and tweeting about it and sending us questions. And um, let's say thank you once again to Dan the Scribbler Dan the for Scribbler. our artwork. I'll answer his question next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. And um, he'll only draw something about it. And also thank you to John Shearer, our, um, our new editor as of last... Um, podcast he's doing a great job thanks john thank you and john. sorry again that we forgot to stop uh, recording between each section sorry about that um have fun see you next time bye bye, bye.